0: Today on the VergeCast Chris Welch and Monica Chin joined Dieter and I to talk about the week at CES and the Samsung Galaxy S21 event. Got new TVs, new laptops, new phones,
1: all coming now on the VergeCast. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com designed for work
2: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator ten for ten percent off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of consumer electronics. Actually, it is. That's literally what we do. That's what you. That's what we've promised. I don't know if that's what we've been delivering recently <laughs> to Vergecast this week. We did uh, one earlier in this week uh, with Casey and Addy talking about what's happening across the social platforms, the moderation, president, tech policy, did the COVID update in that one. Uh, go listen to that. That is a huge and ongoing uh, story that we're going to be covering very deeply, but concurrent to that, because it cannot be stopped, CES happened. Just a freight train barreling uh, through, through the night. Anyway, I'm Neil Patel. I'm your friend. I'm here. Dieter Bone is here. I'm the tenor in your sea shanty. That's good. Are you tenor? I don't know. All right. And to help us talk about CS, Chris Welch is here. Hello again. Uh, and Monica Chin is here. Hey, what's up? Dieter CS is like a, I don't know. I don't know how to describe CS this year. It didn't, we're not in Las Vegas for the first time in like a decade. You and I aren't in in Las Vegas. I'm not hungover. Strange. Which is weird. That's It's just weird to, to feel normal. I'm just drinking coffee. That's what's happening right now. Samsung was not at CES. At all. Well, they had TVs, but yeah. Just describe how CES has operated this year and this other Samsung event that happened. Uh, so it was all
3: virtual. Uh, we did have some people in New York did get to go look at some stuff. Uh, in particular, Chris got to go and look at, I think, some some TVs. And uh, Monica, you got to go see a laptop in Samsung Space. But everything was, like, half-hour keynotes. There were a couple of one-hour, like, presentations. Um, there were a lot of just pictures and press releases, uh, a lot of GIFs. What's weird is it feels incredibly different to us in this podcast. But I think for people that don't actually go to Las Vegas, it was, like, just, like, about maybe the same, honestly. Because, like, yeah. if you don't go, you, you see pictures and videos and we talk about the stuff. Um, we just didn't get the benefit of being able to, like, physically hold or look at a bunch of the stuff that we've been writing about, which is a a bummer. Um, The other thing I'll say, everyone's like, is it an up year or down year for CES? And, you know, CES is dying, blah, 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 blah. All that's true. I still believe that CES is a show where you learn about what is going to happen in consumer electronics over the next 24 months, not where you learn about the thing that you're going to buy tomorrow. And that is why it feels so disappointing to people is people have been set up to believe that you see a tech keynote and then you go buy the product right away from Apple and Samsung and Microsoft and everybody else. And that's just never what CES has been. But I don't want to be like a CES apologist. It was like not the best year. Um, we have about the same amount of big announcements, but there's like there's just no long tail. Like Once we tell you about the top 10 things here, Normally at CS there's another 500 things. Yeah, and this year there's like another six.
0: Yeah, I think last year we did like 10 minutes on a backpack. Like, yeah. Where, <laughs> maybe that's like for the best. But I, I, I'm curious. People should should tweet at us and get at us about. I mean, obviously there's another whole distracting news cycle going on in this country. But that note that like for most people it just feels like pictures of laptops, and it doesn't matter if we were there in person. Or whether the companies just sent us pictures of laptops, like I'm, I'm curious how that felt for the for the people paying attention. Anyhow, so we're not going to start with CS. Technically, <laughs> we should start with the Samsung and the Galaxy S21. It's it's out. There's another there's another Galaxy S phone. It has the S21 Ultra has f- five five holes on the back. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to describe the design of this phone. Um, it, it, it's starting to look like Lytro concept phones with like 16 cameras. Like we're headed in that direction.
3: Yeah. So the S21, the Ultra, the the story with the Ultra, it's another big Samsung phone. It has four cameras on the back, two telephoto, an ultra wide, and a wide, plus another hole for a laser sensor. It's got a, you know, selfie camera. It's like the Ultra phone. We should talk about the fact that it's black, which is apparently-
0: (laughs) The video. I want everyone to stop listening to this and then go watch the video Samsung made to Mm -hmm. talk about how black their phone is.
4: When it comes to design, black isn't just a color. It's all colors in one. It's bold, yet understated. Black is classic, style, luxury, elegance itself.
0: My belief is they made that video knowing people would dunk on it. Oh, for sure. Um, my belief is uh, somebody
3: in Samsung HQ said, We're, m- we're making a Vanta black phone. Go buy Vanta Black, and they went to go buy Vanta Black, and they're like, "Oh shit, this is really expensive and really hard to make." Yeah. And so then they decided to do knockoff Vanta Black, and they made a whole video about it, and then they called it Phantom Black.
0: Which, if you're not listening closely, <laughs> I didn't even think about. It. Sounds exactly like Vanta Black. <laughs> did not even think about uh, Vanta Black. If you if you haven't been paying attention to the, I don't know, it's the blackest black. It is a material that absorbs light. It is very hard to use, it's very expensive. There's like patent trolling associated with it. It's a, it's like a whole thing. So Samsung yeah. made Phantom Black, which is very funny. Uh but I I think they made a parody of an Apple video so people would dunk on it and pay attention to it. Oh, for sure. That's my, that's my, my my theory of this video. Anyway, so they the Ultra is <laughs> Phantom Black. What are the rest of the S21s?
3: So the actual story, the real story with the S21 this year is, you know, the Ultra Z Ultra, it's $1,200, but the regular S21 starts at $799 now, and the S21 Plus is a $999. So they brought the prices down a little bit, which is fascinating because last year with the S20, they realized that, oh, wait, we need a cheaper phone. So they made the S20 FE, which we actually really liked. But it means that if you're looking at the S21, it is not the sort of thing that you can get with, say, the iPhone or previous years the S20, where you just like you decide you want the new flagship phone and then you pick the size that you want and pop 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 you're done and you don't have to worry about the details that much. You actually do have to worry about the details quite a bit. Uh, the regular S20 is a polycarbonate back instead of glass. Um, the S20 and the I'm sorry, the regular S21 is a polycarbonate back instead of glass. The S21 and the S21 Plus have a different camera system, which normally it's like, whatever, like we don't know. But we think, we hope that this year on the S21 Ultra, Samsung fixed its 108 megapixel camera. With the S20 Ultra, it was a big whiff. With the S21 Ultra, it's a new generation of the sensor. And Samsung has promised me that they have uh, fixed their demosaicing or their re-mosaicing, and they fixed you know some of their face filter stuff, and uh, you know Samsung camera promises. But what it means is, if you do want one of these phones, you actually need to like think about it a little bit uh, about how big you want to go, but also what features you want. Speaking of features, uh, you will not get MST, the cool like magnetic credit card thing, in the U.S. Uh, you also really. Yep. That's gone. Uh, There's no uh, micro SD card slots anymore on the Samsung phones. So say goodbye to that. And, uh, you know, there's of course, there's there's no uh, AC adapter in the box. Is the
0: MST thing just like NFC one? Right. Because MST was a thing where it like faked out a card reader.
3: Right. Yeah. So you still get NFC, of course. But I think that I don't know. They're just saving a buck or whatever.
0: That was like the coolest Um, part of Samsung pack. It I was. Know. Yeah, I'm not sure why
3: anybody's going to use
0: Samsung Pay anymore <laughs> once that's gone. Right, it's just, it worked everywhere because it faked out the regular reader. Yeah, as opposed to like the sort of like hit or miss NFC experience that exists.
3: Yeah. Oh well. I will say that NFC is more hit than miss for me most of the time. Now, I can I can use uh, an NFC payment system 90 percent of the places I go.
0: Yeah, you live in you live in uh, San Francisco. Well, here here in the woods, uh, where I only go to two stores, fifty uh, percent hit rate for me on NFC. Yeah. Well, you have to pay with like bear pelts, right? That's that's what you do. Yeah, I actually have to go hunt some bears after this <laughs> in order to feed my family. <laughs> so the line is getting more complex, and then Nate, what's it, <laughs> this is like the weirdest thing to pay attention to. But we went S, you know, Galaxy S three, Galaxy S four, Galaxy S ten galaxy mm-hmm. s 20 right we skipped we skipped uh nine uh galaxy s's and then now we're at 21 right
3: they just don't care do they well it matches the year right yeah, um, it just... and it also it it keeps them from having this weird tiktok with the no the, the numbers on the iphone i think that's what their real goal was they just wanted to like get away from that and not have that tension oh
0: i see which sure do you, do you have we have them right
3: yeah. So uh, there's a review embargo, but I can give you some impressions. Um, I have the S21 Ultra and I also have the regular S21. Um, the S21 Ultra is, in fact, very black. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you camera impressions. I have some thoughts, but I'm going to be really coy about it because uh, I haven't taken quite enough pictures to feel confident. But yeah, I'm like, I'm more optimistic than I was with the the original S20 Ultra, which you could tell right away was problematic. And you know it's a Samsung phone. It's a big, big ass
0: Samsung phone. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I like that they changed the design of the camera bump.
3: Oh yeah, so the rail uh, around the side it's curved, and so the S twenty one Ultra does have a slightly curved screen, whereas the regular S twenty one and S twenty one Plus are flat. Um, Chris is shaking his head because why are they doing curved screens? Um, it's not that bad, um, and I will say it's not that bad. I will say that uh, I went out and bought myself a iPhone 12 Pro Max because I've got to do head-to-head camera comparisons and also just big phone comparisons. The S21 Ultra is way better to hold than the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Just straight up, it's better. It's a little bit narrower. The sides have that Samsung curve to it. The weight just feels slightly easier to handle. Yeah, it's just like that—those extra little millimeters wider that the iPhone is, and like the extra little millimeters of the bezel that you can see on the front compared to this—the curve here that lets it be narrower—it actually
0: matters. Can I can I give everybody a window into what working with you is like? Dieter okay. slacks me. I, I didn't wait for him to say yes. Dieter slacks me, and he's like, "I think I need the 12 Pro Max to compare the Ultra to." And I was like, "Oh, I'll send you the review it." And like by the time I was done typing, he's like, "That'll be too slow. I bought one." <laughs> Yeah.
3: I mean, you know. Um, going from the mini to the max, by the way, is a real, real. Oh, it, sorry. We haven't even mentioned that Ultra supports the S Pen and there's a new line of S Pens that are separate accessories.
0: I feel like the S Pen conversation in an, in a normal time in American history, like we would have done an hour on like Samsung's product line and what does it mean for the S Pen to come to the Galaxy S line? Well, it's Wacom support. They've implied that they're going to allow third-party S Pens. It's a whole thing. And w- wither the Note? Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's also a coup. So I think the Note's going away. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it's very hard to get worked up about the future of the Galaxy Note. I think it's it's interesting that Samsung's going to lean into the stylus finally, like, all the way across its line. That's the thing they can do that I think Apple will never do with its phones. Yeah. Yeah. So well,
3: uh this is my whole thing with Samsung. Samsung maybe they're doing it with the stylus it's only on the ultra, but Samsung is so bad at realizing the things that it makes that are good and keeps on focusing on making bad versions of stuff that they're jealous of. and a one of this trend is Bixby, but we could also do it with fitness. They made a whole like a TV based fitness thing to compete with Apple Fitness where the camera like watches your body. I'm sure it's fine, but it's like, it's, it's a knockoff, right? Meanwhile, they've got the stylus stuff. They've got DEX, which and it's, I know it's been around and whatever, but like wireless DEX is genuinely cool now. And just on and on and on. And I just wish Samsung would be Samsung instead of
0: trying to be like medium Apple. Be yourself. Yeah. The Samsung story. Well, you know how Samsung is extremely itself? Uh, how's that? It's with the, the Galaxy Buds, which are very much not like AirPods at all. Chris, you reviewed the Galaxy Buds this week. How are they?
4: Yeah, uh, for $200, they're Samsung's best earbuds yet. Uh, They sound the best of them. I mean, they're not quite on par with like the best of the best of uh, uh, true wireless earbuds, but they also don't cost as much as the best of the best. But yeah, some of the features are clearly inspired uh, by the AirPods Pro. They have uh, 3D audio for movies. Uh, I couldn't test that because it only works on the Galaxy S21 right now. Of course, and now they can actually uh, switch between uh, your Samsung devices, just like the AirPods Pro can switch between your Apple devices. So uh, those two things are pretty close. But Samsung actually has a pretty clever thing where if you talk, it'll actually uh, turn down uh, the volume of your music by itself, and then it'll go into uh, the ambient sound mode. And so you just start talking, and that just happens instantly. So if you're at the coffee shop and you just want to pay for something pretty handy uh sony's done that on its thousand xm4 headphones but this is the first time that i've seen it on actually uh, some earbuds so
0: what if you're listening to music and you start
4: singing if you talk to yourself it happens to uh, or sing yeah like so, <laughs> so if you're someone who out
0: who often speaks to yourself you, <laughs> you'll hear yourself uh, it'll just be reminded that you're extremely awkward <laughs> yeah if, if you start
3: talking and it it turns off the it, it goes into transparency mode and turns down the music so you can hear somebody else reply to you mm-hmm. how long does it stay in that mode or like if someone's talking to you do you have to every now every now and then go like but to keep them in transparency mode how long does it stay
4: uh, so, it waits for you to stop talking, and you can choose between five, 10 or 15 seconds uh, for the wow. uh, time
3: frame for it to stop. I usually like to listen to people for more than 15 seconds. It's just me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You just got to say, like, mm hmm, mm hmm, or some kind of like vocal. Thing Samsung telling you need to
4: like, cut like, them off. Yeah.
0: They've been talking too long. Wait, so, so, the, so the timer re-ups every time it hears you talk? Yeah. All right. I don't know. I, I have very mixed feelings about this as somebody who mumbles to himself all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't need to be reminded that I'm just quietly talking to myself all the time. The, mo- the, 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 the switch between Samsung devices automatically, is it, that's a Samsung proprietary feature?
4: Yeah. Yeah, so that only works on Samsung phones and tablets. Uh, it does not work on Samsung laptops, which is kind of where it loses <laughs> to the AirPods Pro, since those will work on your Mac and your iPad and your iPhone. So there's one thing missing from that uh, setup, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like Samsung's kind of uh, trying to lean in on uh, its whole ecosystem of gadgets and phones. And so it's very Apple-ish, uh, but most of the features do work on all phones, uh, but they actually don't support the iPhone anymore, which is kind of wild. Uh, they just don't support the iPhone. It'll work, but there was an app uh, for the past earbuds where you could, like change the settings and uh, do all that stuff. And that actually just does not work on uh, these earbuds anymore. So for some reason, they just kind of left the iPhone behind on this one. I guess they kind of know that there's probably not too
0: many people using these with their iPhone, but that's a real thing. like imagine the meeting moment, right? Where they're <laughs> yeah. they're they're doing the development chart, and there's like iPhone app is like one box in a flow chart, and they get to it, yeah. and they all just look at it, and they're like, we know, right? And then like someone's <laughs> like, time to you, you hear the yeah. clicking on Zoom, and the box disappears, like it just goes away. <laughs> in the Android truly wireless earbuds world, there's always the what is the. What is the one true alternative to the AirPods? Are these them? Uh, I
4: think so. I mean, these are them. I think uh, the Jabra 85Ts are still a good choice. Uh, The Bose QuietComfort Earbuds uh, are good as well. Those are kind of like platform agnostic, whereas these really do kind of target the Samsung customer more. But even if you have like a Pixel or some other phone, I think these will do you pretty well. Uh, The noise cancellation isn't the best, but it's fine. I mean, it uh, cuts out like a decent chunk of... Uh, the outside noise and so yeah sound quality is satisfactory not mind-blowing but these are 200 bucks versus like 230 for the airpods pro or uh, 250 and 270 for uh, the bows as you go up from there so not a bad uh, package and all so
0: i'm noticing that you're wearing the airpods max right now chris <laughs> they're good for monitoring on a podcast
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well we burned through the phones that's because as Dieter said we will have a review soon and we'll probably devote a lot of time well ish one presumes that we will eventually review these phones so we'll come back when we do that we'll spend way more time in the s3 ones need to talk about them because they have this week we're gonna take a break come back talk about what happened at ces
1: starting with some tvs we'll be right back support for this podcast comes from canva they say rome wasn't built in a day but you know what you can get built in a day your creative deck you can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. All right, we're back. Chris, mm.
0: HDMI 2.1. We told you to wait before you buy your next TV, and now you know why. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 saw this train coming. Actually, kind of like a lot of TV news at CS this year. Yeah, like my frame for it is that 4K HDR is now the commodity product. Like that's just table stakes. Like we're we're, we're done talking about it. Yeah, every TV has it. It's cheap to make. It's everywhere. So now we got to do something else, and that feels like 2.1. It feels like better display technology. Right. And to some extent, 8K, which, mm-hmm. please, stop, can we just wait? <laughs> can we just hold on? Uh, but let's talk, let's start with Samsung. We've been talking about Samsung. Uh, a couple of, couple of big things from Samsung this year, right?
4: Yeah. Uh, so I went in person to actually go see their new TV lineup, which felt like the old times. And so uh, their uh, new LCD sets use what's called a mini LED. So the best LCD TVs today use what's called full array local dimming, where they have like a few dozen uh, lights behind the display to kind of light up and dim uh, based on what's on screen. And so mini LED uh, just kind of goes beyond that idea and makes them much smaller and just crams in a ton more. Uh, so for LG, uh, they're also using uh, this tech and they're putting up to 30,000 Of uh, these LEDs in their TVs. So it's a big difference, and it lets the TVs kind of have uh, much better control over contrast. And if there's like a bright thing on screen, you won't get any kind of like halo or uh, the blooming effect you can sometimes see on LCD TVs. And so Samsung's look really, really nice. uh, Some in person. And uh, they also have have this new game uh, settings menu. So like if you have like a PS5 or an Xbox, you can just kind of shortcut your way to seeing all the key settings there, like VRR and eARC and uh, that sort of thing. So... Yeah, it's not like a world of difference over last year's TVs, but
0: they do look better and they do look nicer. And I kind of want one. So <laughs> <laughs> so mini LED is a backlight technology right. with the thousands of LEDs behind
4: the screen to light up. Yes, and micro LED is like the holy grail next big TV technology from what people
0: hope. Right. Micro LED is the one where they, they make like segmented TVs. You can make them any shape and size you want, right? Right. And we're just not there yet
4: not quite there yet samsung did announce 110 inch version of their micro led tv no. so it's no longer modular uh it's still going to be extremely prohibitively prohibitively expensive for anybody i think but yeah now they are putting that into like a more standard form factor but uh yeah that's like the next great hype uh machine is uh this micro led because so it has like most of the best uh, things about oled uh self-lit pixels And it shouldn't have burn in or any of the uh, downsides that OLED has. But for now, I think the best TVs that most people will buy this year are going to be the mini LED side of things.
3: Uh, Can I just point out, uh, Samsung also spent a decent amount of time in its keynote on uh, new accessibility settings and options, my favorite of which was you can change the size of the ASL uh, translator in the lower right-hand corner and, like, embiggen that that little portion of the screen so that you can see it more easily. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's great. I think that with some of those features, they're, they're just doing it for the feel-good headlines. But uh, if, if you improve accessibility settings, I don't care what your motives are. Uh, I think it's great.
4: Sure. Yep, there there is that. And there was also, uh, there's a new remote that comes with uh, some of these TVs. It's an eco-remote. It's made from uh, recycled plastic, and uh, it uses solar power to recharge the battery inside. So instead of constantly swapping for uh, AAAs, you just put it on, on your table and it charges up and stays that way for a few years. So uh,
3: that's pretty neat. I think this is dumb. I think this is the <laughs> dumbest thing. <laughs> Different takes on the Vergecasts, everybody. <clears throat> Look, it, how much carbon does it take to make a solar panel uh, system for a remote? Like, how, how expensive is that uh, environmentally to make? Six. Compare that's that's a six. Uh, no, it's a six. Uh, I bet you over the lifetime of uh, a remote, uh, the triple A's that you would need to swap out, and the amount of uh, environment numbers that it would take to make those triple A's is probably a three. Because hmm. like, like there's there there's a huge there billions of them are made a year. Everyone knows how to make them. These remotes like it lasts three years on a charge anyway uh, from the solar panel. Um, it, I just, I just think that it, they did this because ooh, it's, it's blah blah blah. Like, good, good on you for making it recycled, but I just don't think that when it comes to the carbon footprint that Samsung
0: has, that its remotes are yeah. remotely important. <laughs> I think <laughs> that not. that is probably fair. I, yeah, I was more thinking the, well, how much sunlight is in my. Oh it charges it does it does the internal solar panel thing that
3: a lot of you know solar quote unquote solar gadgets do. So if you got incandescent bulbs it'll it like it will survive. And mm-hmm. again like it doesn't need much. It's a remote. So like <laughs> it will last a long time.
0: Yeah. Actually we haven't done a um a deep dive on the remotes of CES. Right? Cuz Samsung has its TV software, LG, the LG updated its remote this year. The proliferation of like service specific buttons is getting out of hand and all these remotes like we started with a Netflix button and we're down to like a crackle button.
4: Yeah, the remotes are changing. I think uh, for the first time LG put on like uh, the usual Netflix buttons and Prime Video and more important to LG, though, is they made some pretty big software changes uh, to WebOS or if we can still call it that.
0: So there's Samsung. (laughs) Uh, Mini LED is great. Like I never wanted to buy an LCD TV before. Mini LED is like I got to go see it. It's very hard to judge from photographs. Like, I miss being at CS just to look at the TVs and see what they're like with my own eyes. Even though at CS, they're all in, like, blindingly bright mode. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I want to see it. I'm excited about it. It feels like, okay, they're starting to compete. On the flip side, LG, right, they're still pushing ahead with OLED, and they've upped their software. So let's talk about what LG did. Yeah, uh, so
4: they've got, uh, there's a new OLED panel in their G1 series, and it's their brightest panel yet. Uh, that's always been like the main downside for OLEDs, is they don't get qu- quite as bright as LCDs. They are gorgeous and stunning, but if you like put them in a bright room, they might be a little bit underwhelming. And so LG says uh, this new G1 series can get brighter. They aren't really saying how much brighter uh, than past models, but it seems like they're trying to like get over that hurdle, uh, that hump uh, for OLEDs as they keep pushing forward. But like I said, they also have uh, some mini-LED TVs if you want that as well. So they're trying to like toe this line where they say, well, these mini-LED TVs are awesome, but... Still not quite as good as OLED, which is uh, the ultimate in picture quality. And there's a new, uh, bigger size of OLED. I think it's, I think it's 83 inches. And so uh, both LG and Sony have have uh, giant OLED TVs this year. So I'm pretty happy about that, and very jealous
0: of anybody who gets one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Dieter, tell me about this new version of WebOS. <sighs> <sighs> So they have made it just
3: like a bog standard smart TV interface where like you hit the home button and you see a big home screen with a bunch of tiles, some of which happen to be ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as mentioned, there's more buttons on the remote. I don't know if Beanbird is still around. We got to see. Uh, but can, can you just tell people what Beanbird is? Beanbird was a little bird shaped like a bean that would help you understand how your smart <laughs> TV worked.
4: And it like bounced
3: around and, and did things. And like you could like see it hanging out on a beach when you were done setting it up. And that was cute. The original version of WebOS on TVs, it had like this blade system where you'd you'd hit the home button and then you would see all your options across the bottom. And you could like run through them that way and it had a little pointer or whatever. So I I tweeted. um, I didn't tweet the thing I should have tweeted, which was um, look how they massacred my boy. Uh, But I did say (laughs) I was very sad about it. And everyone replied with the correct meme. So thank you, everybody, for that. And uh, one person did reply saying that they were on the original team, and they fought tooth and nail. And it was a huge battle to get the original version of WebOS with the blades and like the whole like new idea about how a smart TV should work. LG didn't want to do it. And the team that made it was like, no, no, trust us. This is good. And it was good. And then everyone liked it. And then oh, some time passed, and everybody moved on. And LG said, ha, ah, just kidding. We want some more ads. And now we have the new version of WebOS.
0: Yeah. I think, that you know, we did the whole HDMI 2.1 show and we had Bill Baxter from Vizio on it and he was just pretty blunt. He's like, most of our customers don't even need the inputs anymore. Everyone just uses our software to watch streaming services. We're unavoidable and you got to, you got to pay us. That was the word he used was unavoidable. Yeah. He's like, particularly for a company at the the scale of Vizio or Samsung, like there they are, like they're running the software. If you want to put your service on it, like you got to pay them. Who's the Who's the bad guy who says I'm inevitable? That's Thanos. Thanos, yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the smart TV software is the Thanos of your uh, your your software life. I'm willing to buy that conceptually. I will say, Bill Baxter as a person is the opposite the opposite of that personality. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, this is like the push, right? Like, why is HBO Max and Peacock not on Roku? Because Roku is like we're unavoidable. You got to pay us to be here, and they they haven't solved that problem. That is the case with Samsung. That's the case with every other smart TV operating system you can think of. And so I think LG was like, oh, we should be more unavoidable. And what we're sad about is like their old system was extremely avoidable. (laughs) Like I have an LG smart TV. I never use that stuff. I I don't even look at it. So I guess guess such is the future. Uh, Chris, Sony did some stuff. Speaking of smart TV software, they've switched over to the new... Google TV stuff, right?
4: Yep. So their uh, TVs are going to ship with uh, that software on board. And now they are actually all going to have the full HDMI 2.1 suite of features. So the company behind the PlayStation 5 is now ready for (laughs) the PlayStation 5 (laughs) just a few months later. Uh, But yeah, uh, their TVs look great. They are not doing any of the uh, uh, fancy uh, new uh, screen tech like Mini-LED. They're still doing uh, this usual full array, but uh, their TVs are great. And they also do OLEDs. And so... Yeah, they've got both of those options for you.
3: So Sony stuff may not be that exciting, but Google TV is like really good. I've been using it um, and I'm glad they're upgrading for Android TV to it. Um, I also say, even if you think Sony stuff is boring, all is forgiven because they're making a drone that carries alpha cameras uh, designed for it. And that's very exciting.
0: That's cool. I would say there's also some amount of pure opportunism in that announcement because DJI is banned from the United States. (laughs) So you're Sony and you're already the like one of the biggest providers of broadcast technology and everyone's DJI drones don't work anymore. You're like, what's up? Oh. Like, do you like at the bottom of your like five million dollar NFL contract shopping cart? It's like, would you like to add a drone? And like, Yeah. You just go for it. You think that they started uh, development on that the day that ban happened? They're like, oh, shit, let's get this done. Yeah, I'm
3: sure. <laughs> Get the CES teaser ready, everybody. Yeah.
0: But but I, I appreciate opportunism. So There's
4: also a new streaming service uh, from Sony uh, called Bravia Core. This, I don't understand this at that all. That promises to stream at near 4K
0: Blu-ray quality. And so uh, it's pretty bold. It promises to explode your data gas. You're going to watch 10 <laughs> yes. minutes of a movie, and a, the police are going to come to your house <laughs> and take your SIM card away. So, but, so it promises to stream at extremely high quality, like... Mm -hmm. A current 4K stream is what, like 18 to 20 megabits a second, and a Blu-ray is like 100 to 200, right? Yeah, Somewhere up Mm -hmm. there. So a massive jump in data being transferred to your house, more quality. All that's great. It does not seem like what you can do is just sign up for it and go. You get, like, vouchers when you buy a TV. (laughs) Yep,
4: so you buy a Sony TV, you get some vouchers to uh, get some movies that you keep, I think. And then there's also, like, a free streaming section where you kind of hop in. But, uh, yeah, it does seem like this is only available to Sony customers. And I assume it's only Sony movies uh, from their studio, I would would imagine. But, but, yeah, if you really want to watch Bad Boys for Life (laughs) in pristine (laughs) 4K quality, this is... Which you've been waiting for.
0: It is one of the most Sony announcements ever. Like extremely proprietary format, only for their products. <laughs> Impossible to purchase. Like it is it is it is the memory card of 4K streaming. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. But it's great. I love it. Uh and then lastly, um, we've been talking about Smart TV software. Roku announced it's the biggest selling smart TV OS. That's obviously on their, it, the biggest selling smart TV OS in North America. That's obviously on their, you know, line of somewhat inexpensive boxes. But on TCL TVs, TCL has become a player because of Roku. But they announced more TVs are trying to get bigger than being a commodity Roku TV provider, it seems like.
3: Yeah, I mean, they,
0: they, they said we're going to be
3: 8, everything's going to be 8K within like some period of time. It's like, okay, guys, great. Uh, but they also, this was supposed to be the year that TCL went from like, we're trying really hard, guys, pay attention to us, to like, no, no, we are serious. We are going to supplant LG in the hearts and minds of American consumers. They wanted to do it on phones. They wanted to do it on TVs. They just, they wanted to go big. And I think the fact that they couldn't have a gigantic installation booth to like, intimidate everybody hurt them <laughs> uh, but that's what they wanted this this was they they uh they puffed their chest out about a mini led they had a bunch of new phones they had a bunch of concepts and so i think they're going to continue to be like the go-to brand for value tvs this year but i do not know if i believe them when they say that they're going to have really great high technology tvs and i also um don't care about 8k yet and i know i should but i don't yeah,
0: TCL's promise is we're going to put 8K across the line, yeah. right,
3: Chris?
4: Yeah, I hope that promise doesn't really lead to higher prices. So I'm kind of worried about that aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, they're on their third generation of a mini LED. So they are kind of saying, well, what took you so long, Samsung and LG? So they're kind of, like Dieter said, uh, beating their chest about that. So hopefully the new 6 Series 8K will be around the same prices before. I don't know what content you're really itching the watch at this point as ever. But yeah, so we should know.
0: Yeah, it's a it's it's a weird place for them to go. One of my favorite this is like the dumbest meme that's going around. But um, uh, Fox has started using like a YouTuber rig oh, yeah. during NFL games, right? It's just a Sony A seven R on a gimbal. It looks cool as hell, but it has super shallow depth of field. And everyone to the tweets about it is like, "I love Fox's new eight K camera," <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm like, "I you can." There's a part of me before the fall of the Republic where I would like spend my Sundays on Twitter being like, no, we wrote about this. It's just shallow depth. And now I'm like, the government is falling apart. (laughs) It's like a different (laughs) mind frame for Twitter. But I think like the 8K, people don't know what it is. So you can just like glue on any expectations. And so TCL will have one bigger number in the store than everyone else. I think that's Mm. actually important to them. But we'll see how it goes. Okay. That's TVs. It's a lot of stuff. Also, TS, uh, lots of chip news, lots of laptop news. Monica, take us through that.
2: Yeah. So uh, the biggest announcement, uh, the one that I'm most excited about is AMD's Ryzen 5000 mobile processors. Um, The company claims they're going to power 2021's best gaming notebooks. Um, Intel basically said this about their processors, too. But I'm more excited about the AMD ones.
3: Are you saying that you believe one but not the other?
2: It's it, we're gonna have to wait and see. But I'm more <laughs> excited about AMD. You know, we have their whole life They have a bunch of eight core processors. Intel says they have one coming, but they don't have it yet. So for the moment, the gaming laptops we have that we know about, um, the, the majority of them are are AMD Ryzen five thousand. We also have Intel announced Tiger Lake H, its latest 11th Gen 8 Series chips. They kind of talked about their 12th Gen chips, um, which are called Alder Lake, but we don't really know a ton about those. They're coming like much later this year. Um, and then, of course, NVIDIA announced its GeForce RTX 3000 GPUs. Um, so together, the, uh, the RTX 3000 series and the Ryzen 5000 series are going to be in a dump of gaming laptops that you're going to see over the next few months.
3: So actually, let's get this um, this Alder Lake 12th gen thing out of the way, and then we can talk about the stuff that's actually going to be real this year. So but the, the, the story with this thing is they're doing some sort of games with the sizes and powers of the different cores to try and make it more competitive with Apple's M1 CPU, right?
2: Yeah, so what so so these are hybrid the, these are gonna be hybrid chips which are they basically have some po- cores that are super powerful and some cores that are less powerful. This isn't the first time that uh, Intel has done this. They have a line called Lakefield. Um one of those is in the Lenovo X1 Fold, but Lakefield processors are sort of intended for mobile devices um that is like really portable devices that are kind of low powered um to so the X1 Fold is an example of that. Their claim is that Alder Lake is going to be, you know, much bigger than that. It's going to be in a lot more kinds of devices. There's going to be a desktop one as well. We don't know a ton about like how exactly that's going to work. So for the moment, I'm just treating that as a claim. I have no idea if that's, yeah. you know, what that's going to look like.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been dunking on Intel for how long? Uh, it's been a while. Some of which I think is a little bit unfair, but yeah. But they've got another new CEO coming, uh, <laughs> which is Pat Gelsinger. Um, he just gave an all hands, and uh, the uh, the Oregonian reports that he said to the entire company, and I quote: "We have to deliver better products to the PC ecosystem than any possible thing than a lifestyle company in Cupertino makes."
0: Nice. i get it wait i totally get it like it's a good dunk yeah right they're all smarting you got to bring them back and he's saying like our only business is making chips we should be better at it than a company that does other things your
2: right? company also yep. makes watches and chips and computer yeah I don't know that they, like, I think
0: Apple would have a dramatically different view on what it is they make <laughs> and the importance of its ship division to what it is they make. But I understand why he would say it. Uh, Gelsinger, importantly, by the way, was the guy who didn't get the job when they gave it to Bob Swan, like the mm. last CEO. Right. Like it was, And so I think the Intel board was like, ooh. Yeah mulligan
2: <laughs> But it is true. I mean they real they're on notice. They they need to do a good job this year. They really do. Uh,
3: so what do you think of these 11th gen H series chips?
2: Yeah, so I mean there're only 3 of them that that we have now. And this isn't this isn't like a big surprise or anything, but they max out at 4 cores and uh at 35 watt tdp so they are you know when you when you put them on paper next to the amd ryzen 5000 series they are significantly lower powered and they they have half the thread count of amd's top like six chips so you know when it comes to multi multi multi-core um power and when it comes to tdp watts amd is just significantly from, from what we have now amd is significantly ahead at this point um, Intel, you know, their big thing last year was emphasis on single core power and they did do a lot better in a lot of cases on that. The one we're sort of waiting though, because they have Intel says they have an eight core H series processor coming later. So I think that that is sort of what that, that's going to be what AMD has to worry about when it comes, but we don't have, we don't have details on that yet. Uh, at the moment we only have sort of the lower power stuff.
3: And then AMD's Ryzen stuff. I mean, it's seven nanometer, and that's fun. I mean, it. I mean, it's just fun to say that they got there, and until then. not But is there, is there anything other than just like they made a faster version? That's you know, that's important this year.
2: Yeah. So it's on it's Zen three now, Most of them are Zen three. So oh, okay. So Zen three is like the new architecture. Not all of the chips are actually Zen three. Some of the U series processors are still Zen two, which is kind of annoying because it's a little confusing. Like I don't think that most people are gonna know or like are gonna know to look up like is this Zen 2 or Zen 3. So I wish they didn't do that. But
3: can you just briefly tell us what like these architectures are and what Zen why Zen 3 matters?
2: It basically the reason it matters is we we have desktop Zen 3 already and we know that it does much better than desktop Zen 2. So mm. you know that we can that that means I'm, we're pretty optimistic about what Zen about what Ryzen 5000 mobile is going to look like. Um and you know obviously we we haven't gotten to try them yet but you know, when AMD says they're going to be a lot better, I am optimistic about that.
3: So the way that CS usually goes is we get a bunch of uh, announcements. Oh, there's NVIDIA, uh, but we'll get there. Um, we get a bunch of announcements from chip companies. And then, like, as soon as those chip announcements end or the last one ends, 5,000 laptops can announce. <laughs> and the, the big deal this year, I think, is the gaming laptops. Uh, we should get to all of them. We're going to. Um, but just... Uh, real quick, uh, maybe it maybe not real quick. Uh, Nvidia also had its thing. It was not six hours long, uh, which is uh, strange, but they announced a bunch of stuff for laptops, right?
2: Yep, so is there a new three RTX 3000 series um, for laptops? They, there's the RTX 3070, 3080 that are coming on from the 26th and then 3060 laptops are coming on the second. So they say they're a lot faster. You know, standard stuff. There's a new. They're they're using Dynamic Boost 2.0. Is something I'm excited about. That's a technology that um, it uses AI to balance power between the CPU, the GPU, and the GPU memory. But it works on like a per frame basis. So that they say that's going to lead to much higher frame rates. I hope so. We're gonna see in the next few weeks as we start getting these in.
3: I mean, the big claim is like you put all this stuff together, and it should be possible to buy a reasonable gaming laptop that can do 1440, uh, 90 frames per second, right?
2: That's uh, that is the hope, yeah.
3: Yeah. So these thousand laptops get announced. Uh, <laughs> which uh, which ones do you do you care about? I know which ones I'm excited. I'm excited about the one with the uh, with Tiamat on it, with the dragon on it, because you know dragons. Um, although they anyway, I'll get to that. But which ones? Which ones actually matter to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously there are a lot. Um The boring answer that I'll give is the Zephyrus G15, um, which really looks like last year's Zephyrus G14, but they made it an inch bigger. Um, So it's not like there's anything like super new or super groundbreaking about it. But I'm really excited to, you know, I think that I I basically thought last year that if the Zephyrus G14 had been a G had been Zephyrus G15 or had been a 15 incher, it would have been like by far the best 15 inch gaming laptop out there. And that's a really competitive field. I mean, you know, yeah. there's the Razor Blade 15. There's like a million MSI things. So, um, I think the Zephyrus G15, if it's like the Zephyrus G14, which all signs say it is, um, is just going to be really, really good. And um, that's going to have that's going to have AMD processors and NVIDIA processors as well. Another thing I'm really excited about is is Asus announced um, a bunch of new ZenBook duos, which are dual screen laptops um, that have like... Keyboard in the front club? Yeah, the keyboard in the front club. They have one primary screen, they have like a secondary screen in the keyboard deck. So they have a bunch of those coming out and I'm always just really excited to see like how how they're trying to convince us to actually use a dual screen format when form factor, when it adds so much to the price and puts the keyboard in the front. <laughs> so there's uh, those are going to have, th- those have gotten spec bumps as well. They now have the NVIDIA 3000 series. Some of them do. And I think, and yeah, in the, the MSI thing that you meant, MSI has one coming out called the GE76 Raider Dragon Edition. They always do these like things that, have silly themes but i i think they're a lot of fun um this one is based on an ancient goddess called tiamat who you know was supposed to be supremely powerful and vengeful and they're claiming that their laptop is too and so the lid of the laptop has a design that i think is very cool it's engraved it's um it's inspired by ancient babylon and has a bunch of dragons on it um so definitely check that one out
0: i like that they're finally making like like rigorous arguments for why they put dragons on the laptops. Like <laughs> before, they were just like dragons are the shit, and Look, now they're like, let me tell you about the ecosystem of dragons that we're participating. Right, exactly. uh,
3: also, based on the ancient Babylonian goddess Tiamat is the Tiamat from the um the Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms worlds, the five headed chromatic dragon goddess. Also in Dragonlance, which is where I at first, but she's not named Tiamat there. And it's perfect for a laptop because it's a five. It's Five colors. It's a chromatic dragon. That's the whole point of the thing. And of course, you need RGB different colors on your laptop. So, like, everything is lining up to be perfect on this laptop. I promise you.
0: We have all been poisoned by like Disney style world building. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what's happening here is like now there's going to be like f- uh, five streaming Star Wars movies about these laptops. Like, <laughs>
2: well, their last games. laptop that they put out that was kind of like funny, like this was um, it was actually based on a, it was, the, the story was, it was a spaceship panel like it was a panel that had fallen off of a spaceship and they had like a guy who worked on star wars design it and it was it was very cool a lot of people it's, it's very controversial some people think it's really ugly but i think it's awesome
0: <laughs> that's great uh
3: okay most important question will anybody who's interested in any of these laptops whether they're run by amd or intel whatever version of the nvidia graphics card they've got in them be able to buy any of this shit. Will any of it actually be available, or is it going to be like the story with Nvidia's graphics cards and all the next gen gaming consoles that just like they're just going to be sold out for the entire year?
2: You know, it's so hard to know. I mean, I want to be optimistic and say yes, <laughs> but it's, you know, I think that um you know when when you look at the desktop that the desktop GPU shortages that we've had with AMD and with Nvidia, I don't think lap. We didn't see quite the same shortage of laptops. Last year, um, The exception, I would say, was the Zephyrus G14. Um, That was really impossible to buy. So, you know, I think I'm a little more optimistic that there will be supply of these than, you know, compared to the desktop GPUs. Uh, But again, it's a weird year, you know, so it's always hard to say. Uh, It's very possible. I do think that the new Zephyrus, it will probably be difficult to buy if you can get your hands on one of those. Definitely do. Can we briefly
3: talk about... This thing that, to me, is the dream gaming laptop, the thing that we were promised we started getting external GPUs, it's the, um, what is it called? The Asus ROG Flow, ROG Flow.
2: ROG Flow what? X13. So I find this laptop incredibly confusing. Uh, <laughs> 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 what it is, is it's a 2 and one it's a 13-inch two-in-one. Okay. It, it's Asus ROG, so it's like, a, it, it's, it's a gaming company. They're selling it as a gaming laptop. Uh, The processor is powerful. It's AMD's Ryzen uh, 5980HS. That's one of the flagships. Um, But the GPU is a GTX 1650, which is an entry-level GPU. I wouldn't say it's like a terrible GPU, like our worst GPUs, but just paired with that processor, I don't really understand. Like it's just incredibly outclassed. And, you know, we reviewed a couple laptops last year that tried to pair a 1650 with with an H a really powerful H series processor and it just didn't give good frame rates, not the frame rates we'd expect um from from that level of chip. So the way that Asus is trying to get around this is they're bundling it with an external GPU called the ROG XG Mobile, which they say is going to give it desktop performance. So on the one hand that's cool. I mean it's cool that you have a 13 inch laptop that with an external GPU, could give you desktop performance. That's not something we necessarily expect. Um, on the other hand, the first thing is the price of those two things bundled together is $3,000, which is just, I mean, that's, like, for that price, you can get any number of great gaming laptops that have the hardware that you need in them where you don't need an external GPU, you could just play <laughs> on them, um, which I think is a big benefit. And the other is just like, "I don't know how much I want like like the benefit of a thirteen inch gaming laptop like the reason you would want that, I would think at least personally is so that you can like bring it around and play games all over the place, whereas needing to have an external gPU to do that would not like that just to me like defeats the purpose of having it be so portable so. I just, you know, I think it looks like a great laptop. I wish that they were just selling it as a regular laptop with a regular laptop price because then I would absolutely buy it. I think it's like, it looks awesome. But as a gaming laptop at that price, I just... I'm confused, is what I am.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, to me, it's like you, you want the you want the laptop you take to work that's ultra light, you throw in your backpack and not heavy and whatever. And then if you want to play games, you plug in the external GPU. Everything is perfect, but um, doing that in a 13 inch form factor, I guess you're right. That
0: is a little bit weird because, like, why not get a no? You want to be the person at Starbucks who has an external GPU, <laughs> right? <laughs> just sitting
2: there with the external GPU <laughs> on your desk, like plugged into the wall. <laughs> yeah, like I would just rather have a 15 incher that I can bring around with me. It's a little heavier, but I can actually you know get really good frame rates on it like the good frame rates that i want
3: okay that's gaming laptops we've got we're gonna go along everybody what about is there any non gaming laptops that you want to talk about um i love that you called the the new samsung galaxy chromebook 2 a, a regular ass chromebook because that's that's what they made <laughs> um that's i mean that's that's what they did uh they gave up do you want to talk about that or any other other laptops that we saw this year
0: well it's still like bright orange it's still it?
3: bright orange but it's like if they tell them monica
2: so the Samsung Galaxy Chromebook 2 is, you know, the title's a little bit misleading because it's not really a sequel to the Samsung Galaxy Chromebook. It isn't that it's the second device to literally have the name Samsung Galaxy Chromebook, <laughs> but it's not like an upgraded version of the Galaxy Chromebook. It is very much a step down in terms of like features that it has. Um and in terms of price, so it's it's um it's like half the price of the 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 Samsung Galaxy Chromebook, which I thought the Samsung Galaxy Chromebook was just like too expensive. So I'm glad to see that they got the price down. The the base processor is a Celeron, which is a very entry level processor. I wouldn't really recommend that anyone the the model that's 699 has an Intel Core i3, which is a a decent processor. Um, but it's still, you know, it's it, it's lower powered than the Samsung Galaxy Chromebook, which had a Core i5. It's a slightly lower screen. The Samsung Galaxy Chromebook had an OLED, and the Chromebook 2 has a QLED, which is not an OLED, even though the names are similar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, there's there's some other things that they took out. Like there's not like a camera on the keyboard deck anymore. There's not like a stylus garage. They took out some of the like flashy, fancy stuff that the Galaxy Chromebook had. But it still looks similar, and that it's still in that it's still bright red. Um, the screen still is pretty good because it is a Samsung QLED, and those are still pretty good panels. It's a little heavier, so you know there's there there are like some they, they basically bumped it down in like most areas, but they also bumped it down a lot in price. So I'm optimistic about this Chromebook. It seems like Sambook Samsung basically gave up on the like let's make a super premium Chromebook that's really expensive like shtick that they were on last year, and just decided to make like. A normal Chromebook that can compete with other Chromebooks at the mid-range price point, which um, I, I'm happy about. I'm excited to try this one out.
3: But it it does mean that there is no successor to the Pixelbook. It just does not exist. Samsung tried it last year. They just bombed. And so if you want a premium Chromebook, uh, sorry. Sorry.
2: Yeah, there's one that looks kind of promising called the Asus Chromebook CX-9, which Asus says has military-grade durability. That looks looks very nice.
0: Who doesn't need to use a Chrome-based operating system at war?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The the one other uh, laptop dimension that I thought was kind of cool is there's a ThinkPad called the ThinkPad X12 Detachable, which um, is like a Surface Pro type idea. Um, It's a ThinkPad where the screen pops off. Um, And you can use it as a tablet, but it still runs Windows. So I think that's pretty cool, too.
3: Well, the thing I love about that one is they they made a Surface clone, but you can tell it's a ThinkPad immediately. It's it's like it just it looks and feels and like you could tell it's a ThinkPad. So like Microsoft wanted people to copy the Surface and this is a copy of the Surface, but it, it has its own identity, which I'm really happy about.
2: Yeah, and I think um, it's, you know, it's a a little similar to the idea of the Leno X1 Folds that came out earlier this year in that, you know, it's it's a tablet with a keyboard you can, like, bring along with you. But I think this one will probably be a little bit more of a practical purchase for people who are looking for that tablet ThinkPad form factor because it's not uh, $3,000 and... It, the keyboard is actually a real keyboard and not like a tiny toy. Um, so I think it, I, I think that people who maybe like the X1 Fold, but it's just too much right now, could definitely look at this one. All right.
0: There's so much more at CES. We got to take a break. Come back. We're going to talk about some of the wilder concepts we've seen. All right. We're back. Dieter, this was like your favorite thing at CES. What? This mask it was the thing I hated the most.
3: Yeah. The absolute most. So I first saw it. I just, I was like, I literally tweeted, no. So razor has made a mask. It's a concept uh, that uh, has RGB lights, which is what the exciting part. Um, But I was terrified. It was going to be COVID profiteering. Right. Just like, and it's not actually, it's just a concept mask. Um, It has interesting features. So it will be N95 certified if they do make it. Um, It, it looks like the mask you're not supposed to wear with like the vents, but they that's where the filters are and then the rest of it is clear so people can see you talking. Uh, it has a silicone thing for your nose bridge so it won't fog up your glasses. They're working with THX to put a microphone and a speaker in it so you're not muffled when you speak. Amazing. So it's like it's just like it amplifies your voice. It's great. And it looks dope and like the lights can light up your mouth in the dark and then you can do other colored lights on it and whatever. To be clear, Razer also changed over one of its manufacturing centers uh, last year and created a million like actual masks and donated them to healthcare workers. So like that's the part that actually matters. But yeah, with this thing, I went from, oh God, to like, okay, like yeah, go ahead and make that. That would be cool. It's much better than some of the other COVID stuff we've seen uh, at CES this year. There's like a million UV lights, which, you know, UV lights work, but come on. And then there were a bunch of people saying that there, you should like buy their temperature sensor uh, and- Temp- like external temperature sensors on like the, the you know the IR thing they shoot at your forehead. Um, not the science on those uh, for like uh, COVID screening is um, well. Let's just say that no one thinks it works. Uh, so yeah. there were a few of those where I was like, I ah, wish you hadn't done that. But on the whole, I was expecting it to be um, a health gadget like catastrophe at CES this year of just terrible COVID related things. And for the most part. Uh, that didn't happen, so I'm pretty happy about it.
0: Yeah. Run us through some of the other concepts we saw at CS. So LG did rolling things again. They love to roll. They love just, just rolling. I feel like they built the rolling OLED thing, and they're like, where can we put this? And every year there's like a hackathon, <laughs> and they're just like, what if a TV rolled up into this? Yeah. Uh, so it's a rolling phone now. It's called the
3: rollable. Um <laughs> And uh, they say they're going to make it. It's going to, I think it'll probably be part of their Explorer project thing, which is what created the LG wing, which Mm -hmm. is the flippy, rotatey, whatever the hell you want to refer to that, the T phone. This thing is going to be, we were worried about folding phones and durability, but like, this is going to have a motor. Like, is there going to be anything behind the screen when you roll it up? Are you actually going to be able to touch it and like, have it, like, I'm very dubious that this is actually a good (laughs) idea to make.
0: Well, we've learned that uh, uh, flexible screen designs, durability is not the first thing that they check off the list. Well, TCL also showed off a bunch of rolling things. TCL.
3: Oh, God. Go (laughs) ahead, Chris. Please. (laughs) Okay. So TCL is showing like some
4: foldable and rolling stuff. And there's this one video where this guy's on a hike and he pulls out this like scroll and unfurls it into like a... Something like straight out of like Minority Report that shows his location and like photos he's taken recently. And so, yeah, uh, not exactly something that we're ever going to get anytime soon. But they did actually show like an actual real world demo of it. But there it's a static image. It's like nothing resembling what the video showed. But, you know, it's concepty. It's CES. It's fun to kind of think about.
3: What you want when you're on a hike is uh, a scroll that you have to use both hands to open and use both hands to hold it open. And then out in the woods, an incredibly fragile screen, bendable screen that is displaying your stuff on it. And then if you need to interact with it, you know, both your hands are active. So, you know, you you just touch it with your nose to like interact with it, just like you do on your Apple Watch. I think that's the idea, right? (laughs) You need to work it out. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Just take a paper mat, my man. That's all you needed, you know?
3: The other thing, so LG. Actually, we didn't talk about monitors and all, but like I'm kind of excited about some of this, um, some of the new monitors this year and uh, supporting HDMI 2.1, using them for gaming. But LG showed a TV that bends from flat to curved, and maybe I'm been poisoned by CES, but I was like, oh yeah, I want that. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. We all we all dunked on curved TVs for five years. The curved monitors are great, but like this is like a curved gaming TV. But yeah, like, you know, it's flat when you want it. And then when you want a game, you like put your chair directly in front of it and then you curve
0: it around you. And it's great. Yeah. I feel like everyone needs a, like a like a gigantic button that says game mode and it, like the TV curves and the lights go down.
2: Razor actually had a concept where there was like a it's a chair, but there's like a screen that folds or rolls around the chair. I don't like, quite understand it, but that's an idea they have.
0: <laughs> I love that. Like on the one side, there's like VR, which is express best in like the oculus quest 2 which is like inexpensive and on the other side there's like what if a tv rolled around your chair and you lived in a video game it's like they're very that's like we're just we're going in two wildly different directions all right we gotta wrap this up any any last crazy cs gadgets we gotta
3: talk about the ice cream pod thing because everyone flipped out about it it's an ice cream maker that you put a can in and so it's pod based home ice cream maker that's the whole thing. But <laughs> everyone was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for this. Tell me more about it. I don't I don't know. Like my mom sent me a
0: link to this thing and was like,
2: oh, this is great. Where I is- looked up where I could buy it. <laughs>
0: I Amazing. It
2: was awesome.
0: <laughs> no, this is like uh, every CS has one. Right. Like several years ago, it was like the smart fork. If you ate too fast, it started vibrating at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a, called the happy fork. It's the same as as, as weight shaming people. It's exactly that's the, the fork that made you hate yourself. Uh, but that was like a viral sensation. It was like the local news gadget. I think the ice cream maker is like this year's CES local news gadget. Yeah. Curry, but for ice cream is a really good pitch. Yeah. Um, the thing is like, it's it's bigger than your oven. It's so
2: <laughs> huge. Um, <laughs> 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 Worth it. Still down.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, CS, it's not quite over. There's going to be a, a little, yeah, well, I'm still getting the emails. Not quite over and not quite the same. Miss you, Las Vegas. Yeah, I have, I have very mixed feelings about not being in Las Vegas right now. Um, they're mostly related to how I my body personally feels. But I do miss seeing everybody. Uh, I miss playing with a lot of gadgets. I miss taking pictures of weird stuff at CS. So hopefully we're back there next year. But there's like I said, there's gonna be a little bit more news, I think, coming out. Not big news, but just like little stuff coming out. We'll have a bunch of wrap up stuff. Chris, thank you, Monica. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. You can tweet at all of us. Chris Welch is at Chris Welch. Monica is at MC Squared ninety six. Dieter's at Backlon. I'm at Reckless. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week with another with another show. We'll be that's that's what we do now. We're back, is what I'm saying. Yeah, We're already working on next year's holiday spectacular. That's how I'm (laughs) thinking about it. All right. That's it. Rock and roll. Wear a mask.